the last two feminine films I've done, I haven't done a cold open. Usually I record people just chatting. I wish I'd recorded all that random chat now. Especially the Tom Bombadil stuff. That would have been, been fun. a great cold open, wouldn't it? I'm sure, because people are like, wait, what are we talking about? What Tom, Bombadil's, Tom Bombadil's life and how much she is Charlotte. Like, I think that is a really good essay that I should I think, explore. I think you need to write that. Welcome to Femme on Film. I'm your host, Ria. Uh, Femme on Film is part of the Femme on Network, and this is the podcast where every episode I ask guests to join me to discuss films which are female-led, created by women for women, um, usually have a feminist message, although this film we shall see, um, and often they're misunderstood or critically ravaged, but they're probably ahead of their time. Again, with this film, we shall see. I have my first returning guest. Hello, Tony. You joined me the very first Femon film episode, which was Josie and the Pussycats, which is feminist and a hell of a Oh, feminist as fuck. Yeah, feminist as fuck. So today, we are discussing a film which is not one I would have chosen for Femon film. I know. Um, I'm not fully sure it fits into the criteria, but much like... Pride and Prejudice, which we have talked about a little bit before this, um, which did not fit into the criteria because everybody loves Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice. Um, Because it's perfect. Because it's absolutely perfect. We're skewing the uh, format a little bit because you were desperate to talk about 2018's Assassination Nation. With you in particular. With me in particular. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I think we should head straight into it. My first question for you is going to be, why this film? But first, you need to explain the film. Sure. I'm assuming everybody who has who is listening to this has watched it. If not, we're going to spoil the hell out of it. You have explain to. Explain it. And then I feel like this is going to be 45 minutes of me just going to, but why, Tony? But I've got a lot of what wise for you. Okay, so yes. So the, the film is called Assassination Nation, written and directed by Sam Levison. Um, it was. It came out. Was written and came out in the middle of the Trump presidency. So that is happening. Hold on to that, everybody. Okay. Um, <laughs> the tagline in America was "The Purge meets Heather." So I was like, "Hello, what now? Do I need to see that now?" To be fair, the Purge is bad. I don't like the Purge, but Agreed. I saw it because I wanted it to be good. And I was like, "But you know, Heather's is maybe in the top. It's a top five movie. It's the movie Easy. I've seen the most in the world is Heather's." So I was like, "Okay, I'm here for that. Um, well, I, I'm here for that." So, Assassination Nation is there's four teenage teenagers. They call themselves girls, but they're you know 18, 17, 18, um, who are the four leads: Lily, um, M. Sarah and Bex and it does the loop around where it starts sort of like you know it's this night everybody in everybody in my town Salem I mean it's on the nose is trying is trying to kill us and uh and we're not sure if we're gonna live through the night and then and you go back to the beginning and then you see the story and it unfolds and so essentially the gist of it is there's a hacker who's an anonymous type hacker like like the group anonymous, not like he's anonymous. I mean, he is anonymous, but you know, like anonymous, the group hacker who is hacking into things. And the first thing he does is he takes down the mayor. Who's like this queer bashing asshole mayor. Who's like running on family values, but clearly has other potential wants to run for other office. Uh, And so that's, you know, that's generally how it works in American way, but he's this, you know, he's got all these secrets of like 
pictures of him cross-dressing and banging dudes on his phone and on his whatever. And so like this gets leaked and we're like, ha ha ha. And it starts this conversation of, well, that's what you get. And then that is the conversation. And then keep in mind in the world during this time, this had happened to famous people. This happened to um, Jennifer Lawrence. It happened to, it happened to Blake. It happened to, and of course it happened to women. Um, their pictures, and then there was this conversation like, well, if you don't want your nude pictures to be released, why take them? And you're like, well, fuck off. And so that was the, that was the conversation. And again, as you know, I'm not a big I really Jennifer love Lawrence. how you've, you've summed that. Thank you. The conversation was why I shouldn't take place in the first place. Fuck off. That was my version <laughs> of the conversation. I'm sorry. You're right. There was more of a conversation that I was willing to give it. But the, the film tries to have that conversation. And you know, and I don't think Jennifer Lawrence is a great actor in any stretch of imagination, but it did suck that she kind of stopped acting for a few years because of all of that. And that's like sucky. And like, and it only happens to women. So there's the plot of the movie. And then things go out of control as more and more leaks happen. And then the girls, the the girls, we'll call them girls because they call themselves yeah. girls, our stars, our four women, their shit is on is uncovered and it gets bad and bad. And then uh, Leslie Mann's daughter beats somebody to death with a baseball bat, which is pretty cool. Bought <laughs> um, Apatow, who's not like this is the first like she, she's in this is forty, and she was in a couple of other movies, and she's slowly becoming like into her own, and you know, um, she plays a really interesting character, Grace, in this, um, and it is she is the most Veronica Sawyer of them, so mm-hmm. I felt like that was a good choice to have her snap and beat a Heather to death, played I actually think pretty brilliantly by um, Bella Thorne. I'm yeah. like she knew exactly what she was doing. Do you know, I. I have very mixed feelings about Bella Thorne. But sure, I think, so do I. I, so does I feel like whenever she is in a film and she's playing this type, this type of character, she nails it. And whether that is a sign of who she is as a person or she's I don't know. a really great actress, I think she's pretty damn good at it. And she is... She's- great in this film this was like the casting director needed an award for like we got bella thorne to play reagan they're like <laughs> oh my god yes that's the only person who could do it and i'm sure judd armad apatow was like oh, i get to beat bella thorne to death pretty cool so anyway bill skarsgård shows up as a creep and and uh joel McHale is in it and there's you know these other people and shit, shit goes sideways so that's the basic premise so let me back up and tell you my experience with this film i didn't watch it right away I was concerned. I was worried that it was the movie that it, I, I, I love satire. My problem with satire is always people are going to get the wrong. People don't understand it. And I don't mean that in like a condescending, I'm so smart way, but it, it is that a little, like I worry that people don't understand satire. People mm-hmm. listen the people who watched the, or read the basketball diaries and then dressed up in black coats and went and shot up their school. Missed the point of the basketball players. Jim Carroll did not want you to do that. That was, it's called the basketball diaries. He was a drug addict prostitute who hated his life because the only way he could make money was to, you know, bang dudes. And he was straight and he was like, but I need my heroin fix. And there's dudes who want to have sex with teenage boys. And I'm going to take advantage of that so I can get... So, of course, he imagines going in and blowing up a school because nobody helped him. The people who tried to help him took advantage of him. Like, that's his life story. He did not want, he wasn't wish fulfillment, fulfilling that. That is such a bullshit 
thing that happened, but that happened because people saw it and they got the wrong idea. So for years, like this movie came out in 2018 and I didn't actually watch it until after the Trump presidency was over because I was a little worried. I I don't. So then when I finally watched it and by then time I knew you and I was like, I was, I was upset the first time I watched it and I was talking to Lee about it. I'm like, this movie really upset me and I don't know. And I worry. I think it's brilliant in some parts. I love the third. I love the third act a lot. I think, um, Hari Neff, who plays Bex, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, she's a queen. And I think she's such a good actor. And, like, because Bex doesn't talk a lot, but she does a lot of face. I think she's a good face. She gives mm-hmm. good face. And so it's like, there's so much good in this movie. Um, and it was like, but I'm really worried that people missed the point. And it stressed me out. And so it upset me. And then I was, like, mad at myself. I'm like, am I the problem? Then am I missing the point? <laughs> I don't know. So so I, this is not a typical, because it's written and directed by a man. It is female-led, the top four star. You know, it's, it's a, I think the first five, I mean, on IMBD, it's different. But I think in the film itself, the first, like, five or six names are females. You know, and it's a, it's a, he does Euphoria, which I've never seen. And I guess he gets probably a lot of the same guff for that show that he does for the show from what I kind of see tangentially, like, He's exploiting these young girls, and they're all women who are in it, but whatever. And I don't know that he is. So I had conflicted um, feelings about this, and there was a 0% chance that Lee would watch a movie like this. (laughs) Not that she, like, she just doesn't like um, ultra-violent things. Like, like we were watching, like, Justified's Back, the new Justified's Back, and, like, she liked Justified because it's 99% like guns. You know, it's like... Raylan just stands there and looks cool as fuck and shoots somebody. And there's no punching. There's hard, and the punching is always quick. And so in the new one, it's out here in America. There's a couple of fisticuffs. She's like, ah, she's got to look away. Like she can watch superhero movies because like Iron Man's not real. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But she didn't like the third Batman, the third Nolan Batman. Not like I told her during the sewer scene because I hadn't watched it yet. But when we were watching, I'm like, I think we just you should just wait and watch this at home because if if I'm right. That's going to go on for a really long time and you're not going to be able to stand it. And there's even in that film, um, Selena Kyle, you know, Anne Hathaway's character even looks away because even she's like, oh, this is too much. You know, so like that's So she doesn't like this kind of violence. And not that I'm like, oh, let's subject Rhea to this kind of violence. But I figured you'd be game because you you like action movies and stuff. And you and I thought you could talk me through it. So the one thing I said to your brother yesterday when, when or two days ago when we were recording for Death Race a not feminist film at all, where we yeah. talked about Paul W.S. Anderson's camera fucking of the, the female characters. And we made fun of it for that. But I said, we're going to talk about this because what I want to ask your sister and what I want to know is, should this film have been written and directed by a woman or at least directed by a woman? Could Sam have written it, but handed it off to somebody else? And I'm trying to think of like who are, I, you know, who is a really good, and it doesn't even have to be a really good action director necessarily, because it's not necessarily an action film, but like anybody else. And yeah. I don't know the answer. And I don't, so, because I worry, so this is a long-winded way, sorry. So when you go back and listen to my covering of the boys, the series, the comics with Brad and and Dave, we did the boys twice on in the comic spotlight. My concern every time you I read the boys is, people are going to get the wrong impression. They're, they're seeing these things that are happening in the boys and people are going to be like, yeah. And then in real life, the TV show comes out and people are like wearing Homelander patches to the point where Anthony Starr, the person who plays Homelander is like, um, he's a Nazi. Stop, stop, <laughs> stop. You're missing the point. I'm the villain. I'm bad. 
they're all bad. I mean, nobody's good in the boys, which is the point, which is what Garth Ennis is saying. I think, but my concern was, and Brad and, and Dave and I discussed it. Should we even be, should we be reading this? Should we be advocating for this book to exist? Not that I want to ban books, but you know what I mean? Like, because are the wrong people reading it and getting the wrong message? And we had a long conversation about that. I would like to have that conversation with you. So it doesn't necessarily, I need to know if it does fit the the narrative of Femon film. And the only way I can do it is come on Femon <laughs> and say out loud, I'm conflicted. Please have the conversation with me. Because I don't think keeping it in, I think having the conversation matters. I, so when I watched it for this, it was only the second time I watched it. I felt when I get, there's a certain point where I'm like, because at first half, I'm like, oh, right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, I forgot. And it was like, this is the part that made me feel bad. And then I was like, oh, she's going to be so mad that I made her watch this. Shit. <laughs> so that's my that's my 10 minute ramble. I apologize. I love it. Okay. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. This is why all my questions are. Yeah. Why, Tony? Why? Why? Yeah. But you, I mean, you have talked about something that is exactly what I was thinking whilst watching it and since watching it, which is, I wish this was directed by a woman or at least a man who understands the female gaze because I think it will be so much more powerful in what it's trying to say. I've not watched Euphoria and obviously Sam Levinson's done The Idol, which everybody's ripping apart. And, and oh, I don't even know what, know what that is. So apparently, I mean, I don't really want to talk about it, but apparently it's oh, that, a problematic TV show with Lily oh, okay. Rose Depp in it and she's a failed star music star whatever but like it, apparently it's not great in itself and the way it's being presented isn't great and very unsatisfactory oh okay and it's very male gazy and women are there as just props throughout it. apparently i don't know i've not watched it i have no interest in watching it yeah i have no time sound to like watch it she's yeah, not that exactly. good of an actor anyway i, I mean, mean there's a lot of nepotism going on sure <laughs> both with her and with sam levinson so uh, sure so, you know leave them to it um, yeah, yeah. So I know people see him as a very problematic writer and director. And I don't, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know him as a person, but in terms of what he's presenting on screen and what he's putting out in the media, I know that some of the counter arguments from people who have worked with him are very much like this is on purpose. He is not actually that type of person but he's trying to say something about the society that we live in and I think that's what he's doing with this film but really clumsily and I think that's where it doesn't work I actually quite applaud what he's trying to say that what young women what girls go through and how the world sees them um, because I don't think we fully talk about it properly just now we were talking about moxie i think moxie deals oh. with that really well like fantastic film and um, the book was great and then amy poehler did it like you know what i mean it was amy poehler read that book bought it immediately and was like i'm gonna fucking direct the shit out of this and she did and you can tell yeah 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 and um oh god and what's the what's the film that's all around dolly parton can't remember what it's called um it's a young girl and her and her aunt Bond. It's got Jennifer Aniston in it. 
we'll we'll circle back around to it anyway okay. so like that's a great film it's on netflix it's oh dumpling it's called dumpling oh oh, oh yeah 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 you know, okay that book yeah. is really good too julie murphy who directed that one was that a woman who directed the film too i can't remember yeah they took i, some, I they could made just some, look at my notes but uh, yeah they made some changes that. for that film for sure but i think they worked i think addison was a great was great in that yeah and and like again you know that film isn't perfect but it's trying to do the same thing as Moxie is trying to do the same film as Assassination Nation. But the problem for me with Assassination Nation is they stay, they say up front, they get the main female character to say up front, you're not going to like this. It's a, uh, you know, it's going to be homophobic. It's going to be sexist. It's going to have the male gaze. And and yeah, as soon as I was, the, I was yeah. like, you're making excuses for what's going to come. And actually, in maybe more skilled hands, maybe directed by a woman, or at least have a woman in the writing room with you, Sammy boy, like I think would have helped this immensely. I I think there's an element in the film that is specifically trying to shock, and I don't think that's a bad thing. But again, I think it's problematic when we live in a patriarchal society and everything is framed through white straight men and I think that's again where this falls down and I do think it's a shame I think it positives I think it looks great I think the performances from everybody in this film is amazing I think there are some particular scenes that as a woman I find incredibly terrifying, but also really true to life. And I'm actually really appreciative of seeing them on screen. I think many women women would be uncomfortable with it because that's something they need to work through and that's fine. I find that as a horror fan a release. You know, it's a reason I like horror because... Yeah, this is horror adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, women are are the antagonists, not not antagonists, sorry, protagonists in horror, and horror usually reflects the things we have to go through in life all the time. But it just does it in a in a in a different way, and I really like that. I know many women don't, and that is completely valid as well. But watching this watching this film, there were some of those moments, and I enjoy is not the right word, but I I really. appreciated it and I thought it was really interesting again that it was coming from a male director in two ways as in like one he's really understood that experience and I think that's really powerful but two he is filming that experience and (laughs) and that's not great because he knows what it is like for a man to be viewing to be a voyeur of this experience so that's really conflicting and by the way I'm saying all this you know I I think men can write women I think men can tell women's stories you do that yourself Tony you know I think that's totally fine but I think you need to understand the society that you're properly not surface level society that you need to understand how women feel in the world and experience the world and I think when we most of our media is done by men, I think when we tell men are telling these stories, it just comes off as a little bit hollow and it's not very satisfactory. And I think it means that we end up what we do in this film with two thirds of the film feel exploitative. And then the last third of the film 
which is the most interesting bit, we don't get to see. And and that's that makes this film difficult for me. I'm really, I just, I don't know if I like this film. And I don't know if I dislike this film. And that's I don't fine. either. That's the why I need to talk to you about it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't either. I don't know the answer. But 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 I like that, and that's hard. Like, because so I appreciate this being a piece of media. I actually appreciate this film has been made, whether it's good, bad, right, wrong, a mixture of everything. And so I am pleased that I watched it. I'm kind of pleased that it's out there, but then half of me is also not. Okay, so I didn't. I was hoping you were just going to come in. I was all conflicted and I was going to make you watch it. And you're just going to be like, no, here's the answer. And you don't have it either. So that's good and bad. Cause it's like, I, I don't need, this is going to sound, first of all, you're talking about people who are David Goyer is involved with this film. I mean, so I always, that's always a problem. Yeah. Same here. I as mean, Wesley Snipes almost me, choked him to death. So as that soon tells as I you. I see that name. I am like, oh, <laughs> I know you're like, uh, because he, you know, whatever. That first Suicide Squad is him. And that is a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. everything about that film is that like, I'm like, oh my God, as I, as I saw his name, I, mean, I didn't know that the first time I watched it, when I saw his name, the first thing I said, cause it's at the end and I just wrote down, Goyer, exclamation point. <laughs> and of course that's a trigger word for Dave. If Dave's listening, he's going to fucking scream cause he cannot stand that guy. But the thing is about Goyer, I thought, oh my God, if he directed this, Ugh. It would be the entire film would be that awful scene in the suicide, the first Suicide Squad yeah. movie when, when Margot Robbie's changing. Yeah. That would be the whole film. So at least it isn't that. But I also feel like as your brother and I were just talking about Corman and the difference between Corman and Anderson. Like Anderson, at least in his version of Death Race, he keeps everybody clothed except for Stath. The only nudity is Stath in that movie. Um <laughs> You know, but he keeps, well, there's a lot of lingering and camera fucking of the female characters that he keep their, keeps their clothes on. Whereas Corman would be like, nope, for no good reason, you two in the original Death Race, which I love, by the way. I mean, I'm not here to pretend that I don't love that movie, but it's ridiculous where it's like, let's have the two female racers. At least I'm going to give you female racers and they're going to be badasses, <laughs> but they're going to have a naked slap fight for no reason other than Roger Corman was like, you know what we need? Nigga slap fight. And you're like, that is no, all right, I'll give you that so I can do the rest of the film. You know, so it's like, I always worry when you see Goyer's name, like how, what thumb did he have have on it? And I was like, oh, is that a Goyer shot? Like, we know, like, I wish I had known that going into the second viewing. I didn't realize it was him. Because I think at the end of the first viewing, I was just, when this band comes out and plays the Miley Cyrus song, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I have no idea what just happened. What? <laughs> Like I, so I just kind of stared and I drifted like my brain and then I was like upset and then I, you know, and like, as I've already explained. So I appreciate though that you can't give me an answer, but I did. I'm glad to know that it's not just me. Like I said, I'm so conflicted. It's a, and it's just a piece of art, but that also says something about, well, maybe that says something about the I don't necessarily want to say the quality. I mean, it is, he's a competent filmmaker. I think, again, mm-hmm. it looks great. It's shot great. I don't know who mm-hmm. the cinematographer is, but good job. Shooting in the dark is hard. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of good, it's well lit. There's good, there's good scenes. There's a scene, there's a terrifying scene that was straight out of a horror movie where the camera's panning around the outside and you see inside the window, somebody's in the curtain 
Like there's some really good shots. Um, but I'm always, so when you finish something and you're mad at it, does that mean it's really good and it did what it was supposed to do? Or does that mean it sucks? Cause again, and I, I'm just going to shit on some other people. Cause why not? So I finished the movie not that long ago and I was genuinely offended by it. It was uh it's called the outlaws with, Ooh. um, with, uh, uh, Adam divine and, um, Ellen Barkin and, uh, um, James Bond, uh, Pierce Brosnan. And it's, it should be good. Like all these people are in it. It was a Netflix movie. It's like all these good. It's like a meet the parents kind of thing. It should be good. And there's like 20% of the movie is like hysterically funny. And then, cause it's a Adam Sandler production. They'd be mm. like dick joke, dick joke, dick joke, homophobic joke, dick joke, dick joke for no good reason for no good reason. And it doesn't work. Cause there's some like really funny moments of like Adam Devine's parents played beautifully by Julie Haggerty and Richard Kind comic gold putting those two on screen together where they're like switching seats and instead of getting out he like slides over the middle of the seat and it is so and everybody's been there and you know richard kind is huge right so it's him doing it and it is and it goes on so long and it's so funny and then it's like as soon as that's done they make a joke about an orgy with dan marino you're like Mm. this movie is so offensive it should be good. And I'm so mad. I'm so genuinely mad that that movie got made. All these amazing actors are in it and it's a piece of shit. So I was mad because I knew it was bad. And at this movie, I'm mad because I can't tell. So does that mean that it's good, that it did what it was supposed to do? Does Sam want me to feel this way? Or my concern, my biggest concern is that the people who see it aren't conflicted like us, can't tell if it's good or bad. And they're going to be like, fuck those bitches. That concerns me. That is a big concern that I have is that people will watch this movie and say that and be on the side of all of the monsters in this film. And it stresses me out. And so I don't know how to feel. Just same with the boys. I don't know how to feel. I would say what I will give him is he's making it incredibly clear that the antagonists are bad people. I think he doesn't fuck around with that. I think both a good thing and a bad thing about this film is that everything's on the nose. Even that it's in Salem? Yeah, I mean, so, as I was like, oh, switch trials, yeah. Uh, got it. Because I went into this not knowing too much, because I didn't want to, because you talked about to me saying I want to yeah. watch it so much, and I was like, I'm not going to spoil it for myself. And so I think, I think he's incredibly clear. I think he currently, I, I don't want to talk for somebody else, but upon watching this film, I would say he thinks America's a shithole at the moment. He thinks white men are the worst. He thinks make America great again, people can all go and jog on. Um, you know, I, I I feel his politics are incredibly clear. I feel that he is frustrated with the world and frustrated with America. I feel like he really wants to talk about that, but he is trying to find a way to tell those stories but isn't necessarily the skilled enough yet to do that I think again as somebody I've not watched any you know I've not watched his tv shows or anything like that so I can't like compare to that compare to them but you know I feel like he he definitely has things that he wants to say I would say he's probably politically on our side of the world. <laughs> of, I feel you know. like that too. Yeah. 
very, very strongly. Um, but whether he is a good enough storyteller and filmmaker to tell that yet, I would say no. I would say, again, I've not seen Euphoria or The Idol, so I'm happy for people to be yelling at me and going, this is a terrible dude. I'm really, because, you know, I, I don't have that information, so please tell me if he is. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like he he doesn't know how to tell these stories and that's where it becomes problematic that's where it becomes exploitative and I think you know if I feel there's some doubling down on that on there should be some self-knowledge in going I, I I'm probably not the right person to tell this story I could deal I could do with some help to make this story more nuanced to make it feel more real real um it for me it evokes spring breakers by harmony cream which is a film i hate i think is one of the worst films i've ever seen I've, i i had no interest it's, in seeing that yeah i mean i've no interest in anything harmony cream at all i don't think i'm not a harmony did kids right yeah which i yeah. hated which, yeah that see yeah. the thing is so when i saw kids i saw it in the theater right because I'm old. And so I saw kids. I was mad for like a week. Yeah. And it I, was, that's such a good shout out because it was a different kind of mad because I don't think that was as competent of a film. Like, again, like this other movie that I'm shitting on, The Outlaws, which is which was great actors in a really terrible film that I'm embarrassed that got made and what a waste of money. And it was like, and I even sent a whole like rant to Allison. I'm like, these people who wrote this movie have four movies each planned. Why don't you have four movies planned? Can't we give you all the money? You can go. <laughs> I mean, you know I'd what I mean? That. Like, yeah, because her film is excellent. Allison's film is amazing. And like, what could she do with forty million dollars? Yeah, she would make ten really good movies instead yeah. of like this one piece of shit. But kids, that is such a good shout out. I didn't think about it at all because I this it's that same kind of anger. But at least this was a competently made film where kids was just shitty and exploitative and awful and i hate everything about it so thank you for giving me that and i, I didn't know that harmony made spring breakers i just yeah I just, that and, looked bad okay yeah and it, it is it, like i find spring breakers horrific like i find it i, I have quite a physical reaction to it really we went to, yeah we went so we saw it in the cinema and it was kevin and i and one of my friends and halfway through like the the film broke and I was so relieved and like nobody else was doing anything about it. And I went out and I said to somebody, oh, the film's broken. Does that mean that you won't play? And he was like, no, 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 we'll sort it. And I was like, no. <laughs> then, like, you just wanted sat, it to be over. Yeah, I wanted it to be over and then sat through the rest of it. And so like, like notoriously, like, we we have like an in-joke now about how much I hate it. And then I used to get drunk and try and watch it. And then I'd just be <laughs> so mad at it and, and so angry. And, you know, it's the kind of film that straight white guys like because it's a bunch of girls in a bikini in bikinis doing drugs it's all hazy they get some guns you know all of that sort of stuff but it's it's so poorly done and it's so male gaze like it's like I actually find it disgusting the way the women in it are shot is absolutely disgusting and I can't stand it and so when this started and I'm thinking oh fuck Oh fuck! It's going to be. You could have tapped breakers. out too. You could have just messaged and been like, "I can't do it," and that would have been fine. But then there was something 
that kept me watching because again I think there's the message and and the and the problem so the scene that sticks in my head is is at the beginning and Lily who's the main female protagonist she's with her boyfriend the the brilliant Bill Skarsgård who just like nails creepy handsome charming scary every single role that he does and he's a he's amazing in this like he is the yeah. perfect high school abusive boyfriend like with just out of doubt and but and but he, like, it's also like he was born charming. to be a, a clown yeah. right it's funny that <laughs> yeah. and then and there's yeah. a scene at the very beginning and she's on his bed uh on her back head over the edge of the bed he's filming her whilst putting his fingers down her throat and he's saying you should be a porn star you could be a porn star and I was like, okay, this scene is is perfect in what it's trying to say, right? So we're the voyeur watching him do that to her and we're wondering how active she is in that. So we're getting to ask ourselves this. It's not a nice scene to watch, but it is perfect because it is making us ask those questions and we're watching it. Right. And then the follow on is really nice where people are asking her if she's crying. And she says out loud to multiple people, no, my boyfriend was just sticking a man, a boy was just sticking his fingers down my throat. And nobody blinks an eye. Nobody. Her ex mom. She says it to an adult too. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, great. Like, this is unpleasant, but I'm on board with it. Like, I get it. But then later on, there will be other scenes that are similar, but they don't work as well because he's used up that idea, but he's carrying it on for Mm. another 45 minutes. And I was like, no, no, we've got it now. You don't need to show us all these other scenes that are like that. I don't need to see that because you've done it already. And you've summed up this sort of like porn young person culture, the phones filming everything how people are exposing themselves to extremes and all of this like you've done it I don't you don't need to carry that on that's done and that's the problem this first two thirds are just that over and over and over and over again and it doesn't stop and it's just kind of like I don't need to see these girls in these situations and you know there's a scene where Lily where he her boyfriend uh, he so Lily gets exposed as she's sending not really real nudes. I mean, if she wants to send nudes, she's totally allowed to. They're not nudes. She's an adult and, and it's consensual to, to another guy. And that gets leaked and he knows it's her and he chooses the most frightening and humiliating way to let her know that he knows that it's her. Like he gets other men involved. He pins her down. They video it. And it's like that combined with scenes that happen later, like with the men in the house coming to the house, tying them up, hanging them off the curtain rails. It's too much. You don't need, we we understand how girls, women are viewed, how the men in this town view them, what these men want to do them. You don't need to keep on pushing that. And that's where it's not sophisticated enough. And so we are, we're left with an hour of just seeing women suffer and we don't need that. Yes. All 
I'm just looking something up of, of who directed this other film that I think that came out the same year, a film we both love that in in this person's hands, um, Susanna Fogel, who did The Spy Who Dumped Me, that came out oh, yes. the same year as this. Okay. And so to me, in that woman's hands as the director of this, she did action in The Spy Who Dumped Me, which I fucking love. She wrote Book Smart, so she understands teenagers right i mean she didn't direct book smart obviously but she wrote it and, and so she because the beautiful thing about the spy who dumped me is of course all female gaze and there's like random male nudity for no reason there's like just a big dong swinging they get the shot from behind it's so stupid and then they slow it down even and then they show it again at the end credits. <laughs> and it is Brilliant. It is so fun. We laughed out loud. We saw it in the, that in the theater. We laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. Somebody like her, somebody who could take this script, hear all the things that you're saying that are good about it, and know that in that final act, because again, the second act is too long. The third act is really 10 minutes at the end, yeah. and it needed to be during this part to do that off screen, to do it with sound design, because mm-hmm. um, it needs to happen. We need to get to that point. Um. Yes, that's it. Just there's something that right. There's something here. It's worth to me. The the thing that it does most successfully is it makes me want to think about it and mm-hmm. talk about its flaws, and not like in a wish fulfillment way. Not like fucking fanboys were like, you know, that new Star Wars trilogy would be good if there weren't so many chicks in it. Not that. That's bullshit. You know. You know what I mean. Not that. I don't want to. Because I'm Team Rose. I love Rose, by the way. I was, I was <laughs> I really Rose disappointed well. she got sidelined in the third movie. Now, you I know, have a Rose action was, figure, so... She's awesome. There's a Elizabeth Wine wrote a, a novel called Rose Under Fire, and it's like how she ends up in the movie. It's like a little prequel nice. book. Oh, it's so fantastic. But this is my issue with, with the most recent Star Wars, that it's just the classic... You know, one, you know, love them or hate them, the way Ryan Johnson was taking the story was that anybody... I loved it. Could be a Jedi, could have yeah. force powers. And for me, as a as a little girl growing up who loved Star Wars, but all the boys are heroes in Star Wars. Princess Leia, as badass as she is, you have to write her story in your head. Right? She's got a gold bikini at the end. Right? You've got to write her yeah. story in your head. So then I started reading <laughs> right. all the books and they expand on her and then there's more women in it and you're like, okay, these are all badass. They start bringing that in the films and then Fuck boy JJ Abrams goes. <laughs> no, no, what no. I'm gonna do, <laughs> what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make a bet with a a male actor that I have about some football, and then I'm gonna get rid of Rose Tico so he can come in. And I'm like, this just sums up Star Wars. It's just a boys' game. Like they've immediately isolated me again. Like I loved Ray because she was no one. It was really important to me that Ray was no one. I know. And that she and everyone's like, oh, well, she's such a Mary Sue. What the fuck is Luke Skywalker? He I'm sorry, is don't the get ultimate me, Mary Sue. Right? Do yeah. not like and we get to see there there is a name for male Mary Sue's, isn't it? But I can't be bothered to remember it. Uh, um like we get to see They're that called Luke the Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. And we find like and who, so who and who cares? It's a fucking film. Who cares? It's a Star Wars yeah. film. Who yeah. cares? Ray is so cool. And for them she's to awesome. ruin I love that, Ray. Yeah, yeah. For them to ruin that, and then for them to introduce Rose, who is also another normal person, 
and has normal person feelings and does normal person things. Oh, and Rose doesn't do anything perfectly. Worst character ever. Let's get rid of her. What? What are you talking about? Who does everything perfectly all the time? Isn't that amazing that we see that on screen, that she's flawed and, oh, she does something cool. All you little boys don't like it. And then they just get off her. And it just really, I was like... So I'm getting to see myself in Ray. I'm getting to see myself in Rose. I'm getting to see the older version of me in Princess Leia and General Holdo. Like, oh, Holdo's awesome. And then J.J. Abrams. Anyway, we're not talking about Star Wars. No, the reason, no, but see, this is it. Exactly what you said. What I'm saying is this film doesn't let us lead us down that road. Where no, everybody's like, Where you can be like, well, here's how you can fix it or whatever. And, you know, like, I love all the Star Wars films. I've got Star Wars Stockholm Syndrome. So it doesn't matter. I'm going to, I mean, all of your criticisms are valid. But, of course, I still sobbed when it was over. I mean, I still so, love Star Wars. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean. So this film isn't, it's not asking me to rewrite it. It's asking me to reshoot it. It's yeah. asking me to do something yes. different. And I feel like... So there's got to be something really good and important there that me, as a person who's openly a feminist, who says I'm a feminist, who likes those kinds of things, who wants badass movies, who wishes, who loves, you know, uh, Edge of Tomorrow because Emily Blunt is so goddamn awesome in that movie. I mean, like, she's a queen and she's, you know, and the reason I love the Resident Evil movies, and again, male gazy because it's Paul Anderson, but at least that's his wife. He's like, look at my wife. Isn't she awesome? I'm going to make her in the center of everything that I do. And I'm like, I'm here for that, Paul. I'm with you. <laughs> but he's at least male gazy at his wife, right? So at least we can say whatever. But those movies are badass. Like, Emma loved those movies. Emma and I used to, we saw, like, by the time Emma was old enough, which was the last two we saw them in the theater together. Mm. And right before that, like we sat down, Emma and I did, and we watched the first four, and I was like, oh my God, I love this. And Emma loved Alice. And, you know, and and there's lots to love in those films. And those are just stupid, good fun. This isn't supposed to be stupid, good mm-hmm. fun. Something is happening here, and it makes me feel a certain way. And so as a person who is a feminist, who wants a movie, who genuinely my favorite scene in the movie, and in my mind it took longer than it did, is when Grace fucking kills Riggin and just drops the bat and walks away. I look, cause she's like working herself up and she's like pointing in the mirror with the bat. And then she just walks out like, boom. And it is so smartly done. The sound drops. All you hear is the bat and those cheerleaders, boom, they scream and they skedaddle. It's clear she wasn't interested in them, but they're terrified. It's such an amazing scene. It's so powerful. And then you cut to Grace's character, Maude Apica's character. You see her face and you see like almost relief. Of that, because there's a scene five minutes, ten minutes before, where the main four are laying on the floor after Reagan, Bella Thorne's Reagan, who again is amazing in this role, is being a huge bitch and everything. And she lays down and she curls up with um, Sarah and Bex, and Bex says, Grace. Yeah, they talk about Princess Leia hair, but then you hear Bex whisper, We miss you, Grace. Yeah. Ah, and the fact that it came from Bex, it was really important too. And so that says everything. Like it's it's so so there's some really good writing here. I just and again it was written by him, so he like you said, he's got something to say. I just can't figure it out. And so here's here's the thing. Here's the here's the question I have for you. And sorry, I'm did was this made and then they showed it to someone and the concern was my concern, and they're like, go back in and add the narration. Ooh, interesting. I don't know. Is, does the narration, is that part of the problem? Is that maybe, and I don't know, I didn't look into it, but my, my question to you is, does the, is it a better film as a silent film or without the narration? You know what I mean? Not silent, but like 
having Lily have to explain it to us because is there somebody's concern? Because there's like six studios that it took to produce this film. You see all their names at the beginning. And I'm sure I get it. Because people are like, you want to remake Heathers kind of? Um, we're a little concerned about that. Um, so we're going to have to get all this money together. And I saw one of the studios that that did this went bankrupt yesterday. So I was like, well, <laughs> like in real life, like that's what Braun Studios went bankrupt yesterday. Um, but, you know, kudos to you to try to make something, you know, like you saw something here. But anyway, so did some executive see it and are like, or Goyer was like, I don't get it. Or did Goyer see it? And he was like, yeah, I love that Joel McHale. And he's like, oh, shit, I better go in and add the over. I don't know. Is it? Is that part of the problem? Because like you even said, it gets in its own way by saying, oh, by the way, here's the trigger warnings and it's going to be all these things. And one of the trigger warnings is for the male gaze and then it does the male gaze. So, you know, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I don't think I have the answer though, but it's, there's, you know, there's interesting storytelling in the way they do it visually through text messages, social media. Mm. Um, Even like, I love that, Lily knows how to go and look at the code for like, it was who, awesome, who right? I, you know, yeah. so she's incredibly capable. So he knows how to tell story on screen without words. Like I actually think he's really strong at doing that. So yeah, I do wonder if it's the voiceover or even the script itself in terms of what they're actually saying rather than the directions that's getting in its own way. I think I think you might be onto something. There, yeah, I just didn't like the voiceover at all. Because the Blade Runner is better without the voiceover. Yeah, right. An yeah. equally problematic film, right? Yeah. For lots of all the reasons, but still a masterpiece for lots of reasons. But like the voiceover, and you can tell Harrison Ford's admitted, I did the worst job I could. So hopefully they didn't <laughs> use it. And they're like, nope, we got to use it because nobody's going to know what the fuck's going on. I disagree. Just because it's challenging doesn't mean it's not good. And I feel like a cut of this film without the voiceover, Ooh. I wonder. But with all of the social media stuff, with all those things that pop up, I wonder. I, I don't have an answer. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Especially, this time- is, I think the main, the four main actresses are incredible. Like I think the four main women girls are absolutely incredible, and I think they do so much storytelling through their acting when Lily's in the toilet when she realizes her stuff's being leaked and she's getting text messages from Bex after Bex and Diamond have sex and Bex is just in the bed. Um, She's such a good actor. That whole scene is heartbreaking. Here's the problem though. And and I don't want to, but but remind me to come back around from that split screen scene because he gets in his own way with something that happens with M and Mason in that scene that you can't pay attention to because Bex is in the middle of the screen having sex. But on the left and right, M and Mason are in a room and she pulls her shirt. She doesn't, her shirt's not off, but she pulls her, her strap up and he's cool. They just sit on the couch and have a cuddle. Yeah. Like why did you, why didn't like that needed to be part of the film because then it works later at the end when he apologizes to Bex, he's like, Oh Bex, I'm so sorry. He still goes along with it though. Right. So, and of course, Diamond does it. So anyway, so it's like he gets in his own way. Again, it's like, that's a really cool written scene. It's important that's there. Or maybe it was supposed to just be like you had to mm. notice it. That's what makes it more rewarding for a second view. But because during that whole scene, and again, boy, Hari Neff as Bex is amazing in that scene. And like the 
the the realization like going from this amazing like unsure to pleasure to like totally crushed if you didn't have lily's fucking voiceover over the whole thing yeah just let it happen maybe i don't know yeah sorry yeah hit that nail on the head though about how great bex is in that scene harry neff is amazing in that scene Uh, yeah i just i just think that's the thing i think i think you're right he gets in his own way he's not good enough yet like i feel like imagine if he'd got a lot of stuff under his belt took on some of the criticisms people say about his work like went back to the script for this maybe got some other people involved some nice female voices a female director i think we'd be having a really different conversation and i feel like the same about the social media stuff i feel like he's really understood some of the issues with social media and with leaks and mob mentality specifically around technology and online stuff like it really reminded me of um john ronson's book so you've been publicly shamed which you should all read it's absolutely amazing oh it's it's absolutely fantastic so he goes and classic john ronson style like goes and interviews people who have been attacked on social media how it happened how it affected their lives all of those sort of things absolutely fantastic it's not particularly long but it will completely change your mind or open your mind to some things yeah i feel like Maybe he, maybe Sam Levinson read So You've Been Publicly Shamed, mm. but like didn't do anything else with it. Like, I think he read it. For me, like, it feels like you you get it, you understand it, but there's so much more to it, especially for teenage girls. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I just, every time I'm just, I just feel like I just want a bit more. I just want that to be explored. I don't want these pictures of them dancing and partying, them filming themselves. I don't want the text between Lily and daddy. Disgusting. Uh, You know, you've got something here. This is what I'm interested in. Explore that, cut out all this other stuff. Give us more of what happens in the last third. Because the last third's really powerful, would be more powerful if we are seeing it as a revenge fantasy. Because I wasn't watching it, wasn't convinced that the last third is real. So I was. Because they're laying on the bed watching the the martial arts film. Yeah. Yeah. And and Beck says it. And they're dressed in their red. They look badass, don't they? Yeah. They look so amazing. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, and like, so, so I went and read the like official Reddit thread as well. And someone was like, which I think is actually a really interesting read. It's people who are on our side of the film who are conflicted by it. Not sure if it's good or bad, but certainly aren't people who think that the bad guys are the heroes. They are very much like, we get it. What they're trying to say It's very on the nose. We get it. Um, but so, you know, somebody was saying one of the posts was, you know, but it, it doesn't make sense because like they're just there shooting, just randomly shooting, 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 shooting at this vehicle at the end when people are hiding behind, you know, not running out of bullets. And I was thinking, well, I watched that and I thought that's not real. That's mm. in their heads. These these girls are trying to claim something back, and that's what this is, because they've watched that action film, because they were dressed the way they were, because they're trying to process what is happening. This is their revenge fantasy. And I found nice. that really interesting and exciting and powerful. And I would have loved to have seen that. More of that. Instead of a marching band. 
yeah yeah and had more of those <laughs> hints of that but my other problem with that is I feel like he then would have been too on the nose and we've mm. had like some sort of terrible cut to to Bex or Lily like lying bloody on the ground like spitting out a tooth or whatever and then you know it's a revenge fantasy whereas for me I sort of like that ambigu- um, how ambiguous it was I so, like that I, I yeah, needed so, that that's awesome uh, um wow that's good and again I don't know that I can bring myself to watch this again right away but that's interesting to think about um in a because real they talk like, about revenge fantasy they in do the film as well and they they're talk dressed about it like a lot it. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and they so do. it's and Bex early on um and again like Bex I know it's Lily's movie or whatever but Bex is a star that actor's so good and I love what she does. And I think there's some good writing there because even with the transphobic douche twads, um, they still call her she. Yeah. You know, like that never wavers. And I really, uh, so they see her, they, even the people who hate her air quotes still see her as she, like they get it that she's a she there. Even the douchebags are saying trans women are women. So I appreciated that a lot. That would have been that always, I was, my teeth were on edge the whole first view. I'm like, somebody's going to say that, but I mean, they do say the thing about like, he's sucking Bex's dick or whatever, but like that was the scene right after Lily says suck my dick to somebody. So it's like, okay, that, you know, I, so and I we don't, that was and we don't get a transition story. We don't need it. We don't Bex need it. Bex is Bex. Like, that is it. Bex is Bex. Right. And I but love earlier, that. Earlier in the film, when the mayor is taken down, the first person who's outed, um, you know, outed this way, you know, with the with the dump, um, Bex is like, fuck that guy. And and then somebody says, Sarah says, under you, Suki Waterhouse, in this, like, yeah, it's almost like yeah. you didn't really need Sarah's character. She doesn't bring anything other than they're like, want to have Suki Waterhouse, and she's fine. <laughs> you know, she's fine, but it's like she's a good actor and all. But it's like, what is she doing here? We don't need her character that much. She doesn't, other than it's better. It's cooler with four. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so but she she does have this line where she says, um, "Just because somebody's wrong doesn't mean you can't have empathy for them." So that's Sarah's best, most important line in the film. So it's like Sarah says that. I'm like, right, but you know, M could have said that too because we've seen M's mom. Like we get what's up. So so M has this idea of like it could have come from her too. But regardless, I really liked that moment. So it does feed into your revenge fantasy because if it is Beck's revenge fantasy, then that would make sense because she, she sets it up right there to be like, fuck that guy. This is what he deserved. And she's like, he treats me like shit. He runs his campaign wanting people like me to disappear and this and this and this. Fuck him. And then she just splays out and is like soaks up the sound. And I just, like love everything about the way she performs. She's so good. I've not seen her in anything else. I wish I wish I could see. I don't know what else. I guess I could hunt her down and find what other movie she's in. But she's really so expressive and great in that scene. But that totally feeds into the into the revenge fantasy. And that actually changes my view because my concern, because I do think it's while it's Lily's story, and again, I think without the voiceover, mm. I think then you read it as Beck's story. Because it mm. is, to me, Bex is the central character. And it may be just because she's the best actor of them. You know, I, I, I don't know what it is. There's something about her performance that I just find amazing. But I wonder without the voiceover if we would feel that more. And then that leads more into yeah. the, it's all a fantasy. It's Beck's fantasy. Like, Bex is, Bex is the star. These are her friends. These people love her. 
Grace loves her. We find out later that Grace used to love her. Grace still loves her because she lays down with her and they cut, they give themselves a cuddle and all of that's really nice. Ah, man. Yeah. I feel like we can just talk ourselves around in circles. But I'm with this so film. glad you said that because it made me feel we can't. And, you know, we, we can't. But I hope this sparks the conversation because I do. I think it's it's a worthy per piece of art. It is not a grindhouse film. It's not like like you guys did the movies with Dan. You and Tanya did the Foxy Brown and um, what else did you do? Foxy Brown and um, oh God, don't test my memory like that. Sorry, you did the Pam Greer film. Yeah, and those were exploitation. But she knew what she was doing. Like people are going to be screaming at me throughout this whole episode where I keep on forgetting things. That's fine. It's fine. People look it up. Go find it. Spider-Dan and the Secret Force. Um, Pam Greer is badass. But like she also knew what she was doing. That was really that was aware, self-aware, you know, all of those exploitation films. And I just this I didn't want this to be an exploitation film, but they're dressed like they're in that kind of, you know, it's just it's yeah. So we could definitely talk ourselves in circles. I just wanted to say one last thing as we're getting close to wrap up and you're getting ready to fall asleep on on air. Um, What did you make of and again, is this too on the nose that like principal Principal Turrell and Diamond, the only two, besides M, the only two of the non four people of color, are given like heroic stories. Um, and really they're just people, you know? So it's like, was again, was that, was he trying too hard there or was that supposed to be subtle? Yeah. And I find it really interesting for me. So the things about those characters, so the principal, I find really interesting in terms of, well, I loved that his story was his photos get leaked and he's just got like six pictures of his daughter in, in the, the bath top, on his phone. Which everybody in the world has taken. And like everybody in the town loses their minds. I was like, that is the Salem witch trials. Like that, 100%. Yeah. Right. And, and then, you know, when we get to what happens to the girls, obviously, but I was like, right, this is... The Salem Witch Trust, because the first one when it happens to the mayor is very real. It's something that's happened. We've had it in our press over here. I'm sure you've had it in your press of course. in yeah. America. So that, you know, I would say almost desensitized to it, apart from the bit where you're talking about where I find it really interesting. They have Bex saying, fuck him. And I'm like, yeah. I agree with Bex because he's doing all of these terrible things to LGBTQ plus rights. So yeah. I agree, agree with Bex. But then, of course, as you said, we get Sarah being like, they deserve empathy. Uh-huh. And and so lovely conflict there. And you're like, yeah. Right. And, you and know, they don't like, fight. Great. It's not like they a slap fight. fight. They're just like, they're still friends. They still love each other. And, that's, and that yeah. all gets lovely and tidied up. Like, great. Tidied up. I mean, it's terrible. He shoots himself yeah. in the head. But I yeah. mean, as in like, they they wrap it up really nicely. But then when we get to the principal, we get we see him talking to Lily and about what she's trying to express and and we kind of go down like the cool principal road, but but not too much. But of course he is a person of colour. Um so of course we're like, oh so this white girl is teaching a person of colour about rights and and it's a bit like oh, oh not fabulous and then the town goes after him but then we get bex is the person who gets the noose around her neck i know and i'm just like uh, uh. It, did you speak to 
a transgender person or a person of color. I mean, there's a transgender person in your film. Yeah, there's you know, people of color. You, yeah, like, I, 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 and, uh, <laughs> and I'm saying yeah. this as a privileged white woman. So yeah. again, you know, this is just my. I, I am an intersexual feminist, but I am not a person of color. I am not a woman of color whose whose experience is very different to me. I'm not a transgender person whose experience is very different to me, although I do believe transgender women are women and transgender men are men. I will not argue about that with anybody. You can fuck off. It's, um, it's not, you can't argue it because you're no. wrong. There's nothing to debate. You're just false. That's yeah. like saying up is like, down. You're wrong. So I cannot stop. deal with it. Transgender yeah. men are men. Uh, they just had a different experience to you, you very particular straight white man. Correct. Because all humans are different. So jog on. Same yeah. with transgender women. They are 100% women. They've had very different experiences. Our job as society, as women, is to sit and listen to them and support them and be allies. So, yes, because um, I can feel myself going on a rant and we're trying Sorry. to wrap up. So I'm using no, okay. my very calm voice. I am not getting all hyper and angry, which is very unlike me. Um so yeah, so so in so we have that, and then we have so um so we have M who is a is is a woman of color, and then we have a we have Diamond, and he they call him the La- the Latino Tom Cruise. Yes, that's it, the Latino Tom Cruise. I couldn't remember what it is. I could remember yeah, the yeah. Cruise bit, but I couldn't remember the yeah, first yeah. bit. And we have him having sex with a woman yep. because. Bex is a woman, woman. Yeah. Um, but then we see the people around who although they treat Bex as a woman treat him as a disgusting person and he is a person of colour who is being forced to put a noose on her neck and I, and I just like it doesn't work right and it's like yeah. and again but both Terrell and Diamond make these make the right choice yeah right just, and they're like, like also so it's kind of like the um What's the the old magical Negro trope, yeah. right? You know, it's like, well, there's the magical Negro shows up and gives you the, you know, that's the trope. That's, and I'm not and, and saying get... that in the offensive. I mean, that is the trope. That is what it's called. And it's like gross. And I feel like Principal Turrell and Diamond are both that magical person of well, color who shows we up. get it with, with Em and Sarah's mom, who's a black woman. Yes, who yes. Who has creepy men in her house. But also when her house is being attacked, she gets a gun and she's able to shoot a lot of them. She turns into Foxy Brown for like yeah, three seconds. I was like, I'm man, just... might as well have just had Pam Greer in this role. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. On the nose. Just, yeah. And, and again, I just think that's the overall problem, that it's just, it's an idea that hasn't been worked on properly or sensitively or with some other people in the room and i think that's why it makes this film so conflicting and disappointing but also interesting to talk about and there are some good things about it and you know there are some amazing technically proficient shots when they're not of women's bodies (laughs) and saying at the beginning of the film you'll be offended because of these things when actually the only thing that you get offended about is the male gaze it doesn't work because they were like, oh, you'll be affected, but you'll be offended by paedophilia and homosexuality. But you're not because you're seeing that the people saying these things are the bad people. So you're not offended right. by it at all. Right. 
because yeah. your politics are very clearly being laid out. Right. So actually, all you're trying to excuse is the two words. Right, because it says, yeah, because it says trigger warning for, yeah, homophobia, transphobia, pedophilia, suicide, all this stuff, right? And then, and it says the male gaze right on there. And you're like, okay. Um, yeah, and then you do it. So don't do it. Here's yeah. the thought. Because you don't do the, the other things, because you don't. There's suicide, but you're not exploiting that. Correct. It's not Heather's. It's yeah. not... I mean, but again, Heather's isn't exploiting I mean, either. Is and amazing, right, right. And, you know, like with the transphobia and the homophobia, they're the worst. We hate them. We know they're bad. Yeah. But the male gaze is the one thing that's and not like. And he says it's bad. In this film, he's literally telling us these are bad things. He's right. got a white police officer, a white middle-aged male police officer saying, yeah. we are not bad people. We're, yeah. we're doing good. Well, and he's. It, and he is do, well. He's doing bad things, but the director Sam Levinson is clearly saying these are bad people. Correct. So you're not going to be triggered by that because he is telling us they're the bad people. Like, I know. So yeah, self reflection, dude, would be really it's helpful. It's so frustrating. I'm, but I'm so. I didn't mean to frustrate you, but at least now you get <laughs> where I was conflicted when I watched it. I was like, oh my god, I need to talk to somebody because I mean. I just needed to talk to somebody about it. And it's like, so I needed the therapy session with it. Cause it's like, I'm going to go to my therapist. Will you watch this really weird movie and then talk to me about it for an hour? I promise I'll pay you. I should be like, no, that's weird. Uh, but I need like, it's a weird, it's uh, I, so again, the world will tell us if this belongs on here. I appreciate you being willing to do it to still sit watching it and being like, I'm going to put this on film on film. Am I really? And if you want to call it something else, like no, no, this is and put a question mark. Think, yeah, <laughs> but I still think this is a worthwhile conversation. Yeah. And, you know, and I feel, like I said, I feel there are many women who quite rightly will not be able to watch this film and not enjoy this film from the things it's exploring. And that is completely valid. And For sure. you should do whatever you need to do to keep yourself safe and feel safe and mentally healthy like do not engage with content that will jeopardize that in any way and Correct. i support those people completely for me there is something satisfactory or cathartic in watching a film like this and going these are not directly experienced but these are experiences of mine i understand it i feel this I am able to watch this and use it as a way to release, like I said, cathartic, to release some of the things that I have to deal with in society all the time. And that's, and I, and I enjoy that. There's a, like I said, there's a reason I like horror films. If you go back and listen to the, um, lots of the last of us conversations I've been yeah, having yeah. with people over the last year, you know, I talk about when you start playing spoilers for a game that's super old, uh, when you start playing as Ellie in the game, or, you know, for some people, well, men don't get it, but for women, like, well, for myself particularly, like, I find it really difficult because it reminds you of what it's like to be a woman and be exposed and feel weak and all of these sort of things. And so I enjoy that. I enjoy that in my media. That works really well for me. It does not for other people. So I appreciate this film, this piece of media for that, and that works well for me. I just wish the rest of it was done more... I don't even think competently is the right word. Just yeah, it is a competently <sighs> shot film. He's not a yeah. bad. It's not. It's not like we're saying he's a bad director because you've got the boom mic and you see the person looking over to do a retake. We're like, leave it. You know, it's not one of those. <laughs> I love those old movies where you could tell the actors like out of character. Like we're gonna cut that. They're like crap. 
<laughs> wait, at least cut that scene out. No, it's in there. It's in the movie. I would, like, I would definitely not say he is incompetent at all. I would not watch this and say this is bad in those terms at all. Right. But I just wish there was, like I said, just some maybe some more people in the room. That some, weren't David Esquire. Yeah, yeah, maybe some different hands, some self-reflection, some self-knowledge. Uh, I think... It just really would have made this different and a lot more satisfying. But I'm I wish so I had... pleased we've talked about it. Like, Me I just... too. Thank you. And I, it wasn't until this rewatch that I thought about it, about the narration. And so I do wonder if there's somebody who has the skill to strip just the that audio track, just the audio track of the narration out of it. If it's a totally, but leave everything else as it is. I think it's a totally different movie. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I don't know I just... though. I won't know. And that opening, because if you cut the narration, then you yeah. cut that bullshit trigger warning thing. Yeah, just yeah. get to the movie. But yeah, it's just it's really it's been a really interesting film to watch and talk. So about. thank you for going down this dark road with me. <laughs> and fuck the patriarchy. Fuck the fuck them for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear, I don't even know how to wrap up this conversation. I tell you what, uh, genuinely, this has been quite an exhausting conversation, not in a bad way. Yeah, yeah. But just in a, I've got notes and I didn't know what I was going to come and talk to you about with Uh this. I didn't know where the conversation was going to go. And I just, I don't know how I feel about this film, as you can tell. And everybody who's still here at the end, lots of feelings and thoughts. I know. And, I really appreciate talking about that and any opportunity to sort of try and dismantle the male gaze or at least discuss it and why it's bad and why some people, men and women, because we are all victims and perpetrators of patriarchy, think they are doing something that is feminist and necessarily isn't. And it's good to talk about those things as well because we don't realise that we're doing them. We don't realise that we are perpetrators or that we are just stand by and let it happen and that's again why it's so interesting I would say again like I feel very politically we are on the same side yeah as we and Sam I agree but I you know he's got a media platform and he's not doing it particularly subtly and I am also somebody who does that a lot. <laughs> so I identify, sir. Yes. I, <laughs> I appreciate like that me he... and him yeah. would go and say lots of bold statements, shout them out and get really angry. And people would be like, "What? what is your like in-depth research behind that? And me and him would be like, well, wow. we really hate these things. <laughs> we hate the Trump years. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like we would really connect on that level. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. And I, I just, again, I really appreciate it too. You know, I, um, I just, there's some things that, it, that I can't, I, I'm still don't know if it's good or not. I still yeah, don't know I don't if know I like either. it or not. I'm glad I've watched it again in t- 10 years or five years. Maybe I'll pull it out again and we'll redo this. We'll be like, take two on assassination nation. Now we're this many years on I love and it. one of us has figured out how to cut the narration off and we'll watch it that way. And we'll try again. So, well, I appreciate it. <laughs> friend that's all i needed i needed that i needed it is exhausting and this is what i felt like after the first time i was just wound up and i didn't so we got to talk it out and get it out and um people i'm sure have watched it we're not the only two people in the world yes, who's ever yeah, seen this film like, so hopefully like, people will tell us 
that's it. And I'd love to have more conversations about it. And just, you know, I'm sure there's many things that we've not picked up on or oh, God, yeah. people agree with or disagree with, as long as it's a friendly, useful, thoughtful conversation. <laughs> don't shout us on the internet. No, yeah, that's we don't need that. In it. We're not gonna, um, yeah, because we didn't shout. We, I mean, this is the most shouty I've been in a really long time. But it's very good. You're very, you're awesome. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, I was thrilled if you were to come on and coming in hot and you're like, rah, but you know, because it's it's not that kind of movie. It's really, it really does sit with you in it in a good way and a bad way. And I think so, you know, that's what art's supposed to do is make you feel something. And I don't think I don't think Sam was exploiting these four women, the you know, six women who, you know, because if you count the um Bella Thorne and um yeah, and, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I can't think of her name. I, I don't yeah, yeah. feel like Maud. yeah, he is. He didn't I exploit that. I don't think again. I don't know. I don't know any of this. But watching it, I don't feel that he is. I think he is just a victim of his own male gaze sure. and the patriarchy, which is <laughs> Alanis set ironic. Alanis set Alanis Morissette ironic when um he's trying to make a film specifically about those things. And, yeah. you know, and I think it shows how deeply problematic the patriarchal society that we live in is. Yeah, I think that's the, that's a mic drop, friend. <laughs> so where can people find you, Tony? Well, you can, um, I'm on the Comics in Motion Network, of course, every Thursday. I've got something. Um, lately, it's been me talking to myself, but I've got stuff coming up. Jess and I are doing that book crossover show that I'm probably going to put put on there. Um I've got other fun things. I've got Sin City, another not very male gazy uh, Frank Miller. Boy, he likes to draw rock hard nipples. That's coming up. Um, I've got a few other. <laughs> he does. I mean, come on. Frank Miller is problematic and for all the reasons. Yeah. So I've got a bunch of stuff. Paul's going to start coming on and doing a crash course comics with me and Heath. Your brother yes. and I are going to bring back um, the season's greetings. We're going to start with Deadwood, also male gazy. Um, and so we we've got we've got some stuff. So good good things are happening, and uh, you just go to my website arfarina.com, and you can read a book uh, from a man about a woman that is not male gazy and is totally feminist. That's my book. Welcome to Mansfield. Yay! That's my blind going down in the background. If anybody I see can it. hear it, I apologize. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, carry on following us at the Femon Network Podcast Network Network now. Just made that. Um, we're having amazing chats focusing on the female gaze and everything from women and women's point of view. Uh, come and find me at Rhea Carrigan on Instagram, but mostly just please engage with all of our amazing femon content. Uh, follow, subscribe, all of that sort of stuff, but mostly come and talk to us. That's what we want. We want to have more of these conversations. We are opening to talk to everybody about everything well I mean not everything but but you know what I mean like this is a safe space come and talk to us even if it is a conversation like this one which just goes round and round and round in circles yeah, for like 15 minutes yeah because we're conflicted but that's good you're allowed to be conflicted you're allowed to hold two separate thoughts about one thing at the same time that's allowed that's wow. a very normal thing I think you're right I think you don't live in America <laughs> thankfully <laughs> and I mean, I did a podcast with Dan recently about the graphic novel Sarah, where Sarah, yeah, yeah. I was um, rude about Russians. I'm about to be rude about Americans. 
you're all fucked up and I don't want to come and visit you ever because you're I, in that I, country. We don't, we are worried about people who come over. So like when Dan, um, not Spider Dan, but other Dan, other Baker Dan came over. Remember he and his wife came over for a wedding not that long ago. I was really worried. I was like, oh God, not only are some British people coming to America, they're going to Texas. Please be careful, Dan and Beth. Please be careful. <laughs> I'm so worried about them. America, you suck. Awesome. Right, thank you, Tony. Of course. Smash the paint, Jamarski. <laughs>